This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's a story older than most of the people involved. Police and protesters clashing at People's Park in Berkeley. The park owes its name to protesters back in 1969. They wrested control of the park from UC Berkeley when the university planned to build athletic fields there. Under cover of night, on May 15th at about 4 in the morning, the park was surrounded by dozens if not hundreds of law enforcement officers. Steve Wasserman was a student then. He spoke to Fifth Emission in 2019 when he'd published a book marking the park's 50th anniversary. A cyclone fence was erected and a rally that had been previously scheduled for noon at Sproul Plaza was quickly turned over to discuss what is to be done about the park. 5,000 people were in that plaza. I was among them and all hell broke loose on that day. One protester was shot and killed by the police, but the protesters prevailed. People's Park became a symbol of the youth protest movement and the power of the people. Michael DeLacour was one of the leaders of the park's founding in 1969. Here's what he said to Fifth Emission back in 2019. It's everybody's park. I think it's the best way of looking at it. I think People's Park defines it really well. Anybody can come up and be part of it. That legacy has endured. This week, the situation looked much like Wasserman described back in 1969. Police and construction crews arrived in the middle of the night and erected fences, facing backlash from students and community members. What's going on? Is history repeating itself? Not exactly. The issue of student housing is at the heart of the present-day conflict. UC Berkeley only houses 23% of its students, which is the lowest percentage in the UC system. That's why the university turned away 5,000 students last fall. The University of California owns the land that People's Park sits on, and it says that the student housing problem is so bad that they need to build on all UC-owned sites near the Berkeley campus. Last year, UC Regents approved a $312 million plan to build housing on the site. It would be one of the biggest new housing developments ever built in Berkeley. It includes housing for more than 1,100 students and 125 formerly homeless people. That's because People's Park has become a homeless encampment over the years. Many neighbors have complained that it's been riddled with issues of crime. Often, the victims are the park's residents. But to some people, it's a lot more than that. As I got to know people, I got to know the park community. This is June Nelson, a recent UC grad who organized a march this week to save the park. I got to know the organizers who have been organizing for the park for decades, and I just came to understand, like, how beautiful of a place it is. It's just such a central place of community and resources and mutual aid and survival for so many people. Here's Berkeley resident Ilana Auerbach. Food is brought here. People are sustained here. And this is their sanctuary. People who are seriously mentally ill, they come here and feel welcomed and at peace. And they find solace here in this park. 
This week, construction began at People's Park. Machinery moved in around 2 a.m. on Wednesday. Police blocked off the park, and there were protests. The conflicts between protesters and police became fierce enough that later that day, the university halted the work, at least for now. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Michael Cabenatuan joins me to talk about this unusual housing battle. He was at the park on Wednesday, and he's here to discuss why this is an unusual housing fight. It's one that doesn't fall neatly along the usual NIMBY versus YIMBY fault lines in the Bay Area. This is more of a cultural fight. Michael, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. We just heard protesters against the housing construction at People's Park chanting, housing is a human right, but this is more housing for students and unhoused people. What are protesters asking for? As we all know, housing in the Bay Area is a very complicated issue. And a number of the people who support People's Park also live in People's Park. Some of them are homeless. Um, That number increased quite a bit during the pandemic. There were controversies over housing people who were kicked out of People's Park or who were asked to leave People's Park. It's sort of how People's Park fits in with the the larger issue of homelessness and housing in the Bay Area, and in this case in Berkeley in particular. And some people have pointed out that there's been a lot of crime and other issues at the park over the years. But regardless, people are still really protective of it. What does People's Park symbolize? I understand you're an alum of Cal as well. I am a proud alum of Cal. Go Bears. I lived probably three of my four years at Cal and a little bit of time afterwards within about a block of People's Park. So I'm fairly familiar with it. People's Park is an icon. I mean, it's as important to Berkeley in many ways as the Golden Gate Bridge is to San Francisco. It's a symbol of protest, of resistance. And anyone who's gone to Cal knows that it may not be an official part of a major, at least not most majors, but protest is really part of the curriculum at UC Berkeley. It's also part of what the city has always stood for. And People's Park is just an emblem of that. And people may differ on whether there should be housing there, whether the park should continue to be there, whether the park should be redeveloped in a way. But I think there is a lot of support and interest in People's Park. So, Michael, you were on the scene on Wednesday as conflicts escalated. Tell me, what did you see when you were there? I arrived shortly after the police left. Apparently, they arrived uh, fairly early in the morning. The fences were set up, and these were fairly sturdy fences, not just your typical construction scene fences. They were anchored to the ground. They were bolted together. But a couple hours into the cutting down of trees, and uh, that was mostly what was going on. Crowds gathered as people heard what was going on. Protesters showed up. And at some point, a couple hours into it, the police and the construction crews that were there just up and left. Um, Not sure why. Nobody seems to know. The protesters apparently did not outnumber the police or the construction crews. But they up and left sometime in the late morning, and eventually the protesters took over. They tore down the fence, sort of panel by panel. They went inside to the park. Some just occupied the park, danced around, 
uh, that sort of thing. Others attacked uh, bulldozers and other sort of heavy equipment that was there. Um, they broke windows. Uh, there was a guy I saw who had a uh, reciprocating saw, a sawzall in one hand and a bolt cutter in the others, and uh, he was ripping apart stuff in some of the machines, and there were people pouring water and who knows what else into the gasoline tanks, mm-hmm. um, people spray-painting it, so on. I mean, really, they were just taking back the park. So before construction was paused, how much progress did construction crews make at People's Park with this project? It was mostly demolition, and the demolition pretty much involved cutting down trees. And anyone who's seen People's Park knows there are some massive trees, and there are some other trees that are not quite as big, but are still, you know, 30 or 40 feet tall. And a majority of those trees, probably about 75 or 80 percent of those, have now been chopped down. Mm. So the area that's sort of behind the stage closest to Telegraph Avenue is just littered with trees. And... uh uh, the rest of the park, uh, the protesters have sort of dragged some of the uh, some of the logs, some of the branches from the trees, and sort of created a wall around the perimeter. So, regardless of what the future of this project might be, People's Park has already changed a lot. Is that right? It has. Um, you know, there used to be a lot of shady areas and kind of a big sun splashed area, and it's all pretty sunny now. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Michael, UC Berkeley has offered alternatives to some of the occupants of People's Park. Residents have moved into nearby temporary supportive housing, such as motels, That includes Norman Joseph Lewis. Let's listen to what he had to say about moving out of the park. For two years, this park helped me due to COVID because I had nowhere to go. I was homeless. I'm still homeless, but now I'm in a motel. Thanks to the university, I guess, but the motel was almost like a a prison. You know, we had had no company. We can't can't have no key. We have to check in where we go and when we come in and and go out. I'm a grown adult, 53 years old. Michael, how have other People's Park residents responded to these kinds of alternatives? Undoubtedly, some of them have taken them up on the offer. Others have not. But what people told me when I was out there today is this isn't really a fight over housing, and it's not really a fight over just the people who live there and over homelessness. There are people who come there all the time to hang out who have homes and say that it's something that's been a part of their life for a long time. Talked to someone who had been uh, kind of a runaway, had had problems at home, and said this was the only safe place they'd had since they were a teenager. And they've come back again and again. Um, spoke with someone who said that it's just a really interesting place because of his proximity to the university, that he's met billionaires, he's met, you know, quantum physics professors, he's met, you know, 
down and out students. He's met people who had run away from Indiana. And they say that it's both the history and the community. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of the people who are out there, they weren't around in 1969 when uh, someone was killed at the park and when the Ronald Reagan ordered the highway patrol in. But there is this, as we talked about earlier, this love of People's Park in Berkeley and people just feel it's an important community. Mm -hmm. And that's what led citizens and advocacy groups to fight this housing project. They also filed petitions. But ultimately, last week, an Alameda County judge ruled that UC Berkeley could move forward with building housing at People's Park. But given sort of the legacy and historical significance of People's Park, UC Berkeley must have known this is such a contentious site. Why couldn't they have chosen another site? Well, it is a big site, and it's pretty much a a full block, maybe three blocks from campus. It's blocks away from most of the other student housing. You know, it would be really convenient. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the main reason. I mean, they've owned this property, and they've had development plans for it for at least 54 years. Those plans have changed back and forth, but in recent years, they've always included housing. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're speaking Thursday afternoon. At the moment, construction has been paused. Berkeley city officials called for, but then they canceled a meeting on Thursday to consider lifting the city's ban on police using tear gas and other tactics. Do you think we should be bracing ourselves for further tense clashes between protesters and the police? Undoubtedly. I mean, it would seem to me that especially now with uh, protesters on high alert and many of them camping out overnight in the park, there is going to be resistance to anything that happens soon, even if it happens in the middle of the night. Um, I know some of the protesters felt that they were caught unaware when uh, the university showed up. They hadn't expected it, and I'm sure they'll be ready the next time. And a lot of people have said that uh, they're watching. You know, Mm -hmm. I was out there today. They were watching to see when police showed up. They were trying to keep a lookout for uh, construction crews. When helicopters started circling overhead, they got nervous about that. Mm -hmm. I suspect that there will be future clashes. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your reporting with me. I appreciate the time. Uh, You're welcome. Michael Cabinetuan is a reporter at The Chronicle. Find his reporting and the rest of the newsroom's coverage of People's Park at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to Karen Creighton and King Kaufman for editing and producing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>